You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The, we'll start from the Gemara Chafal from the base, which is three, four, five, six, the seventh line, if you have, have a Gemara in front of you. Amur Rabbanan Kamei Da'abaya, Mishmei Da'revirmiya, Elo Kibla. Now, um, I mentioned before that Ravirmia was an Eretzisrol Rav who was well known for his sharpness and for his very sometimes complex questions. Um, and I think un- unless you know a little bit of the background here, the, the, the language here is just you know, inconsequential. And you need to know the background. So Ravirmia, representing Eretzisrol, actually proclaimed the tradition of Rav. Now, Rav, of course, was a proud son of Babel. Rav, I guess, earned his stripes in Israel, and his stripes in Eretz Israel. His, his, uh, his uncle had preceded him, making Aliyah. His uncle, of course, was Rebchia. Rebchia became one of the prime students of Rebbe in Eretz Israel. And Rav himself, according to the Rambam and others, was Zoha to be on Rebbe's final Bezdin that determined what the text of the Mishnah should be and how it should be studied. And which wasn't just, you know, a bunch of editors at Scribner's and Sons deciding the way a book needs to be read or, ne- or, the, or the jacket cover. These were people who were deciding halacha. So Rebbe Rav was part of that great Bezdin that decided the halachas of the Mishnah and uh, what gets in the Mishnah, what doesn't, and what should be the halacha, what should we follow. And so Rav is sort of a, a very much a bridge figure. And it's interesting that, you know, although Rav goes back to Bavel, born in Bavel, goes back to Bavel, um, is known so much for his arguments with Shmuel, who stayed in Bavel. Here we have this alternate version of what Rav said against the Babylonian tradition. And it comes from, as you can see, it comes from Reb Zeira, who also left Bavel to go to Eretz Yisrael. And Rav Yirmiya was the explan- the explainer of what Rav meant. I-, I guess that means you could have, it wasn't so clear what Rav was saying, but Rav Yirmiya was the one who gave Rav depth in explaining what his opinion was. All that is important because, take a look. Amru Rabbanan Kamei Da'abaya Mishmei the Rav Yirmiya. Abaya himself was a Rosh Hashiva. Um, Ab- we all know about Abaya and Rova. And both of them sort of, uh, although they were both in Pumpadisa together, they also sort of had their own yeshivot. Um, and we know about that from the Gemara and Kedushan, about the student who goes to learn by Abaya. Um, so Abaya had uh, significant rabbinical figures always studying in front of him. And um, although, you know, Abaya is a, a great character in, 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 in the Talmud, because we see him with so many hats. We see him as a little boy. We see him growing up. We see him uh, by his uncle. We see him by his Rebbe. Um, and, you know, by really, you know, he, he, he's sort of like the, uh, you know, he's sort of like the Ron Howard of, uh, of, of the Talmud. You know, he's, he's Opie, and then he becomes, um, then he becomes Richie Cunningham. And then he's now a director who wins. I don't know if he won Academy Award yet, but you get my my gist here, Sheila. He's somebody who is very well known on many many levels, but clearly one who is 
you know, without it, without any first name that we know about, although Rashi tells us what it is, he is the typical, the, one of the great Amarayim of Bavel. You know, again, Rav is uh, foil and very much Rosh Hashiva. So the Rabbanan spoke in front of Abaya, Mishmei de Ravirmiya. Hmm. They told him Rav's opinion, and they also gave Rav Yirmiya's explanation. Now, Abaya probably could have done the analysis on, Ra, on, on Rav's statement as well, but it was all a package deal from Rav Yirmiya. The low Kibla, and he did not accept it. Now, what does that mean, he didn't accept it? They told him over this idea, and Abaya heard it, and, you know, in Yiddish we say, gemach mit the news. In other words, you do with your nose, you turn your nose up to it. Eh, maybe. Let's take a look at Rashi Y. Shalo Choshvo with Smochal Dvarov. Revere me at a big name, but uh, I'm not necessarily going to say that. First of all, I don't even know if Rob said it, I guess it sounds like. Because if Rob said it, you hear what I'm saying, Sheila? Yermi is. Explanation. Yeah. Yermi's explanation is only the logical byproduct of what of of of, of, of Rob's statement. Rob's statement says Hanukkah. You do not have to worry about using inferior stuff. So Yermi has said, "Oh, you know why? Because you don't have to be involved with the Hanukkah menorah afterwards. You can let it it can light and then become extinguished. And also on Shabbos." We know that the attitude towards the Hanukkah menorah is one that is elevated. You're not going to be involved with it. Now, those two assumptions aren't such a big logical jump. And it sounds, it, 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 so it sounds like when, when I'm reading this low kibla, it could be either he didn't believe Rav had said it. Maybe he had an alternative way of interpreting Rav, which the Gemara doesn't explain. <laughs> Maybe he could have taken Rob's statement about using the cheap oils and wicks and explain it differently. Maybe you do have to re-light. We just don't force you to use the good lights in the beginning. That could be uh, the good lights and oil in the beginning, the good oils and wicks in the beginning. So, I, again, the fact was it was Revirmia. And what I'm adding is not just, eh, I don't like Revirmia. Part of it is, and that's why I gave you this background, Abaya is Spitz Bovel. <laughs> Abaya is like one of the best that Bovel ever produced. And there was this rivalry, especially since you're quoting me what Rob said, and you're quoting it against the opinion of the two students of Rav that I know about, Rav Hun and Rav Chista. And they, and also Abaya's uncle, Rabba, the Gemara says, always followed Rav, except in a couple of places. In fact, it's going to be the Gemara a little bit later uh, on, on this page, I think, on the next page. Um, I don't know, I think it's, it's the Gemara in, in the beginning of Rav Psalchem, that Rav did everything like um, like Rav. So Abaya says, you're telling me about Rav? So again, this little bit of history that I gave you, I think gives a lot of depth to what's going on here. Hmm. That's why he didn't accept it. Hmm. Against Rafun and Rafchista, Yirmiya, from Eretz Yisrael, I'm from Bavel. But Ki Osa Ravin. Okay. When Ravin came, 
Okay. So Robin is one of the, the, there's many people that we've talked about. And again, I, I say this to you, I know you, you've heard it many times from me, but you know that these are from the Yoridim. These were from the ones who would, I don't mean a Yorid in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the way it's referred to today as someone who is an expatriate who leaves Israel for the comforts. This was actually the opposite. Robin was one of the men who knew he could be a bridge by his great memory and I guess his fondness for travel, maybe that was part of it, and his ability to make uh, connections to the yeshivos in Bavel and telling them some of the ideas and halachos that were that were about which was the B'nai Yitzchak had promulgated. So Robin was one of them. Rav Dimi and Ula; these are all the men that we know who straddled Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. So Ki Osa Robin when Robin came. So Rabban was one of the travelers. Then the Rabbonin said over essentially the same thing. Aha. So Rabbi means a lot more than Rav Yirmiya. Rav Yirmiya, a smart fellow, bright. Oh, I heard about that sharp guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. There it's his typical sharpness. Rav Yechanan is sort of like a breakout figure. He's beyond that. True, Rav Yochanan represents Eretz Yisrael, but there... Rabbi Yochanan's uh, shadow was very large. Now, Rabbi Yochanan had a relationship with Rav. Rabbi Yochanan um, um, uh, had a, a relationship with Rav. Uh, Rav. Rabbi Yochanan would send his questions to Rav. And, I, you know, did they have a great personal relationship? Rabbi Yochanan was younger. He might have remembered Rav when Rav was in the base medrash with Rebbe. Rabbi Yochanan was a little boy and, and saw Rebbe but was not one of the students in his yeshiva, but Rav would have been a figure he was familiar with and he eventually stayed uh, familiar with, uh, deferring to Rav. Similar to the way Rav Moshe Feinstein was considered even by Rabbi Yoshev as the Posek Ador. I mean, Rabbi Yoshev, uh, who was, again, you know, he, the Omud though the Paisik of, of Eretz Yisrael, and, and, and many people thought he was the Godel Adar and Psak, consistently said that Rav Moshe Feinstein um, was the greatest, and said that he would have been great even had he lived ten generations earlier. He would have been one of the greatest. So that's high praise from Rabbi Yoshev. And I, I say that in similar, in a similar way, Rabbi Yochanan, who of course was, you know, the, the great, brilliant, incredible Rosh Hashiva, he deferred to Rav. And maybe he knew personal things that Rav had said. And he was also aware of how to analyze Rav well. And therefore, Kibla. And therefore, Abaya said, yeah, okay, now I hear it. And therefore, by being Makabalit, that now becomes a very important halachic directive to actually say that you can use the cheap oils and that you need to stay away from the Hanukkah lights and not and not be mishtamish with them. So, Omar, then he later said, Abaya, E zakai gamirte lishmaite meikara. Now, what does Zakai mean? We know Zakai sometimes means innocent, right? Well, E is, of course, if Zakai, I'm sort of, and here it doesn't mean innocent. 
gamirte, then you have the word for gemara right there, gamirte, which is to study and chew over and 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 and, and complete your 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 investigation and pushing your understanding of it. What's it? Lishmaite, this shmua, this record of a halachic decision, me'ikara, from the beginning. If I was zakai, I would have learned it and, and understood it and, and been able to learn it from the beginning. That would have been a, I would have been zakai for that. So Rashi helps us out. Take a look at Rashi. Ilu hayisi zocha lilomda. Hmm. If I would have had this to to learn it, hayisi garsa, I would have repeated it. Right? I would have said it over. Kisha shmaite rishon, like something that I had heard earlier. In other words, I guess when he discussed that, this question about the Ner Hanukkah, he never included it in his teaching. And he said, if he would have been Zoha, Ilu Hayisi Zoha Lilomda, Hayisi Garsa, Keshishmaite Rishon. I'm not sure. Does, in other words, I would have been, I would have studied it over, I would have repeated it, I would have continuously taught it. Now, these, these two words, I'm not exactly sure. I would have studied it like the first ones. And I assume up until now, Abaya was basically just saying over Ravuna and Ravchista, just like Rava was. If I'd known this, I could have integrated it into what I heard before. So the Gemara says, Vahogomra. But now, he heard it. Now he heard it. Okay, so now he heard it. The Gemara's question here is a little bit strange. Because based on what Rashi says, That would have been from my original uh, lectures and, and, and initial individual learning and then group learning and then lecture learning, it would have been integrated, Rob's opinion would have been integrated there with Rabbi Yochanan's uh, understanding of it. So that's what he was bemoaning that, you know, you know, he would have learned it earlier and taught it earlier. So the Gemara's question is a little bit strange. Okay, so now he did it though. So now he did it. Meaning, why was he in other words, why was he uh, upset? Okay, eventually you got it. I mean, he already said that he would have, the way Rashi says, he would have, he would have, um, he would have been able to teach it with his original shiurim. Like Rashi says, from the words, I would have, I would have taught it. It would have been one of my, in, in my original lecture series on Hanukkah, it would have included that opinion. I said, okay, now you changed your mind. But now you did do it. So why are you bemoaning things? That seems to be the Gemara's question. Now, no one is saying that, that he was wrong in not accepting this from Ravirmia. He had his doubts. He wasn't going to doubt Rabbi Ochanan. Now he accepted it. 
So it's not that he's saying, I wish I would have heard it from Rabbi Yochanan first. He's saying, I wish I would have, the way Rashi is saying, I wish I would have, when I first became familiar with this information, I wish it was part of my uh, pool of facts and understanding from tradition. That would have been good. Mar says, look, you know, life is life. <laughs> you always add information to your life as you go on. Why bemoan the fact and say, you know, I didn't learn it well. That's what life is, getting new information. Hagamra. All right. You can't know everything right when you start. <laughs> life is meant to be a journey. And now you've learned it. Okay. Originally, you rejected it because it was revered. And you probably had your reasons to reject it, and, and those could be solid. You don't have to accept everything you hear from someone else. It's not lush and hard to say, I don't, I don't believe it. I think there's a, I, I think there's been a, uh, I think there's been some static in the transmission. I don't think it's exactly what he said. Now that Robin comes, and Robin is one who's known to be so honest, and he's also quoting the great Rabbi Yochanan, that convinced him. But then what are you bemoaning the fact that you wish this was part of your mindset from before? Zumar says, there, what, there is what to be moaned. Nafka mino ligirsa de yankusa. Or girsa de yankusa, as it's usually said in, in my neck of the woods. Girsa de yankusa. Hmm. So nafka mino means a difference. Ligirsa de yankusa. Girsa, of course, is the way you learn, process, say over, give over, get into your memory. Yankus, of course, is talked about Abaya being the Richie Cunningham as a young man. Girsa the Yankusa. What does that mean? So Rashi says, Miskayim Yoser Mishozikno. That what you learn when you're younger and becomes part of your mind when you're younger, Miskayim Yoser Mishozikno. It's Miskayim, it stays longer than what you get when you're older. Right? Many of us can you know, probably uh, see that true in our own lives, right? I can sing you the whole uh, the Gilligan's Island jingle, right? Because somehow it's in my head, you know, when I was young. Right? I watched all those shows, so it's in my brain, unfortunately. So um, I know the feeling. Sit right back and you hear a tale, <laughs> you know, right? A tale of a fateful trip. Right. So I can. How do I know that? Right. How am I able to tell you that whole song? And I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> grocery list right? or instructions about things or you know, who was who was the vice president last. Like, you know, <laughs> that that stuff I can't remember, but I can tell you about Gilligan's Island. Like, that's the way things are. Things are imprinted on us when we're young. And when we study when we're young, the things we study when we're young, we're going to remember. I remember a Holocaust survivor. Um, you might remember uh, Sheila. He was he used to eat at our house. Uh, he died. Um, he lived in Skokie. His name was um, Mr. Rosenwasser and uh, Sam Rosenwasser. Uh, after we left, he became like a uh, uh, constant guest by Karen Perlmutter. You might remember him. Anyway, he uh, a very fortunate life, and um, he died. And uh, you know, he used to come, and and he was able to. Uh, say over uh, the Mishnayas that he learned when he was in a cheder. And of course, he was a Holocaust child. He was, uh, most of his childhood was ripped away from him uh, in the concentration camps. 
but he would be able to tell me things that he had learned when he was four or five years old, six years old. He remembered the Mishnayas. They were all burned into his head. Um, and I think that's part of what Abai is saying, that the younger we are, the more we get that information when we're younger, the more the information will stay with us. And that's a schus. In other words, it's a schus to have more with you. So this is really the way I'm explaining it. This is really what we're saying. Yes, life is meant, you're not, you don't start fully formed. And uh, there is an excitement about finding out new information. And it, it, it's, it's a challenge for us and a good challenge to be able to shift our predilections and sensibilities and, and new information that we have when we're older and to own up to, I, I didn't know that. Uh, and not just say, well, I don't know about that. I never, I don't know anything about those things, right? There are people, especially of our age, who say, oh, don't, 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 don't talk, talk to me about how the computers work. I, I, my brain just, my brain just fogs over. I don't know. Okay, look, get with it. That's the new world. If you don't know, that's what's demanded from us to adapt. However, there still is something, there's a schus of what's going to be part of that youthful learning, that youthful information, because that, that, that will stay with you. In many ways, it sort of shapes you. Um, it's information that's comforting in a way. You go back to it, you know, ah, that's, I remember that Gamari. I remember when I did that. I know by myself, and I've gone through Shas, but the pieces of Shas that I did when I was a little boy, you know, I'm able to, 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 they somehow resonate stronger. And that's what Abai is saying. So I think it's a very interesting statement. Why the statement needs to be said here, I don't know. And why is it here in the Hanukkah Gemara? I'm not sure. Um, that I can leave to you, Sheila, to speculate why this little lesson about. <laughs> is it oral Torah related because of that? You know, Hanukkah's being the. Prime. Yeah, right. Clearly, there must be some reason why, you know, you know, the Gemara could have just stopped here and said, you know, the Gemara didn't have to tell us about Abaya's resistance, what Abaya said. Clearly, we're, we're getting some sort of lesson about learning and about what Torah is. And um, you know, maybe in a way, you know, there's an idea of Girsa the Ankasa that exists with the, with, with the lighting of the menorah as well. Again, it's a very speculative. Without just saying learning Torah is is what Hanukkah is about, and Hanukkah is the aura of Torah. I think there's also this idea of, you know, what I would say, um, you know, based on what Rav Hirsch tells us, that despite the fact that Hanukkah was a, happened in, in Eretz Yisrael, it's a Golis holiday. It's a holiday that's really a template for life in Golis, Hanukkah and Purim. And in a way, that's sort of like the Girsa, the Yankasa, that's Miskayim. In other words, the Nes Hanukkah and the impact that it had lasted because the whole Bayez Sheni was in a way our childhood for where we are now. And this is a, 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 a this is something that, um, uh, an idea that was first, I think, articulated in a systematic fashion by the Nitziv, who saw that, uh, you know, what happened in Bayesheni really readied the Jewish people for their goals. The, the strengthening of Teresh Peb, many of the, the, the ways things were, in the, even in the Beis HaMikdash there, was priming us, although it lasted for 420 years, it was priming us for the thousands of years of goals. 
So the, the muscles that we built and the childhood um, experiences of Bayesheni of that period um, really are the are our origin story, at least the Jews, to be able to survive Golis. Uh, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky also picked up on this in his parish on Pirkeovos and other places and expanded it. So to me, that's sort of like the Yankusa of what we were, was the period of Klau and the time of the Hashmanoyim. Uh, and maybe that even goes till, you know, the, you know, the leaving of Eretz Yisrael after uh, Bar Kochba and the time of Yehuda Nasi. In other words, the whole um, period, even including the Mishnaic and Talmudic period, might be considered our, um, our origins. And it stayed with us. Now, that's our Girsa Diankis, uh, in a way, um, that, that that's important to know. So the Hanukkah-ness and what it means has resonated. I mean, this is really what people have talked about when they talk about they can't understand the Jewish people, right? right? What's going on here? Like, why are you even connected? Why are you? Why do we give so much weight to to something that seems to be so antiquated? I mean, that's our gear, so the Anka, so that's Miskayim. So, anyway, what do you think? I'm just throwing it out. What do you think? You can you can disagree if you want. It's all right. Um, no, no, I, I think you you you're, I think you've got a very good point there. You think I'm onto something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, I, and it could be that's part of the reason why. That's an important thing to know that, especially as we're going to go into this holiday, um, it's sort of like something that's going to it it it, it 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 got there early, and imprinted itself on us, Hanukkah, and uh, what it meant, and I think that's part of the reason why um, it has such lasting power, you know, despite the fact that it's not from the Torah. I would go even further to say that, and again, this is sort of sounds like a conservative Jew. Now, the conservatives have this whole theory, and the reform especially, that Judaism was really formed in Bayashani. In other words, they sort of see Bayas Rishon as um, a period of tribalism, and uh, they didn't that's really. That's heard, not, we, we, you've heard know. that. You've heard yeah, that. But, yeah, and I. Right. I, I, I am not. I'm not. not I, I am not saying yeah. to you and to all our listeners who might be listening as, as truth, but this is one of the, you know, the ideas that you hear from them, that uh, Ezra is really the, uh, is the modern Moses, and um, there are some indicators that, that, that the, the Chazal understood things a little bit similar to that, Not, nothing like of course we believe that Teresh was there with Moshe Rabbeinu and Klal Yisrael in the Midbar kept Teresh and it was through Bayez Rishon, but 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 there has been this theory about that the real Jewish identity was formed, um, you know, uh, by the Sofrim and Bovel, and then going back there at Sisrael and by Yesheni. That's because because that is the great brilliant literature that we have of, of of the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Midrashim. So I think that you know, not subscribing to what they're saying, but recognizing how crucial that period was. That was a period that Tereshabal Peg grew, and that was. In our sense, although we had a Yankasa at the time of the Ovos and the time of uh, the time of the Shoftim, but for us, our real childhood that we really still think through is really that period of 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 Bayesheni. and Hanukkah, you know, comes uh, quite early there. And uh, think about the fact that for so many Jews, and some people will say this is an American. 
byproduct of, of, of Hanukkah arriving at the same time as Christmas. But think about for how many American Jews, especially of our vintage, Sheila, Hanukkah is sort of like, hey, that's the Jewish holiday, right? Now, you could say that's only because, you know, it's Umas Christmas, but there is something about its staying power uh, Hanukkah mm-hmm. has. And, and again, I, I haven't done a search in terms of Europe or countries before, but I think there definitely always was a certain Chavivas for Hanukkah and for the mitzvahs of Hanukkah. Um, I know Chazonim always had a, there was this idea Chazonim would come back for Shabbos Hanukkah. Uh, no one's, it doesn't replace Yom Kippur. It doesn't replace uh, uh, um, Pesach. But it's there, you know, it, it, it didn't become bottled with the other holidays of Megillus Tinus. And maybe part of it was the, the, the you know, the, the, the civil war that went along with it. But it definitely was, in a way, the Girsa the Ankisa of the Jewish people. So I think that there is a, uh, you know, shooting totally from the hip. That could be why this little piece of Gemara gets us into Hanukkah. It's our Girsa the Ankisa. Okay, next. Vikovsa ein zokikla. Well, who holds that? Who holds kovsa ein zokikla? Rav. Who else holds kovsa ein zokikla? Rav Chista, according to Rav. It's only Rav Huna who holds kovsa zokikla, right? So the two out of three opinions hold Shiva kovsa. Which means just light it and it doesn't need to last. <laughs> now, usually Reminu means, now we mentioned how this is an unusual mace face. So, um, I mentioned that on my Psalch, I'm sure you weren't there last night. <laughs> but the first half in Psalch, we have a lot of mace face that are connected to Psukim, which is unusual. Usually mace face come from Mishnayas and Brysis. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, right? So, but Raminahu is usually two Brises against each other, a mission against the Brisa. I always say Raminahu means you lift the thing up like the two bulls, like the two, uh, you know, uh, bighorn sheep that, uh, that, that then yeah, the put their horns against each other. That's what Raminahu means. Like there, you lift this up and you conk it together. Like asking you a question or, or, but but it's like I'm lifting this up. I'm lifting this up. Who's bang 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 bang? That's the Ramina. Let me lift mine up. I'm gonna lift mine up. Right. And it's like, hey, my Bryce says this. My Mishnah says this. Who's right? So in other words, let's see. Can they both be right? Maybe this is true here. This is true there. Right. So for Raminu, what's this? Mitzvosa Meshetishka Hachama. Now that sounds like, although we said Hanukkah is not in the Mishnah, so that was one of our shiurim uh, the other yeah, day. I remember that. Yeah. Right? So this this sounds like a brisa. Hmm. Yeah. Who's the brisa against? An Amora. That wouldn't be Ramino. That would be Mesve, right? If it right, if it's a again, Mesve is an attack. Higher source to lower source. Raminu is, like I said, the two horns of the big bull sheep, of the big horn sheep. It's similar sources that seem to be contradictions with each other, right? 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 Raminu, I think they translate in English as, let us raise a contradiction, right? I think that's the way they translate it. So, contradiction would be A, B. 
if 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 it's only Amaroyim who have we've been listening to, Rav, Rav Yochanan, Rabba, and Rav Kista, those are all Amaroyim. But maybe, again, um, maybe since it's Rav Yochanan explaining Rav, it sort of gets provenance like, oh, that's big stuff. And maybe it's more than, it's not a mesve anymore. In other words, it's two out of three. It's Rav Chista, hey, he's not chopped liver. It's Rav and Rav Yochanan's explanation of Rav. So that already coalesces into something as strong as a Mishnah or a Brisa. So now it isn't like mesve. It's, hey, two out of three say you don't have to get involved with the candles. That Brysa says that it's got to burn. And that's going to be like the opinion of who? That's going to be like the opinion of Ravuna. That Zokukla, that you got to make sure it burns from the time of sunset until that the legs, people, <laughs> meaning are no longer milling around the marketplace. Okay, we'll talk about what that means exactly. How long, what. But clearly, it's got to, it seems, my love, doesn't this mean, it's got to burn. And if you discover that it that it has become extinguished, hodar, you return, and then light her again, light the nair again, because it's got to burn this whole period. So this seems to go against what you have taught, at least two out of three, Rav Huna's nodding his head and saying, yeah, I'm okay with that. But Rav Chista and Rav and Rabbi Yochanan, assuming that they're all on the same boat, would disagree. So that's like a, that's a steer between what seems to be the predominant rabbinic opinion from a lot of great sources, which versus a brysa. Gemara says, lo, there's no contradiction. What, how will we uh, align these two? How will we show that they are not in contradiction? What the Bryce meant was the Elo Adlik Madlik. This is the time to light, right? But it doesn't mean it has to burn this whole time. It could go out seemingly right after you light it, but this is the period where it needs to be lit. And this goes into what we were talking about yesterday. Remember when we talked about everybody being outside and, um, and everybody's seeing it, and everyone's doing it together. It's the event, and therefore, everybody's out there. So during this period, afterwards, you're not allowed to light. That's what Tosva says. <laughs> that would be, that. that's it, too late. The whole point is, is to let people know. Now, wait, I'm out here. My family's out here. No, no, too late. But it doesn't mean that it has to burn for a certain amount of time. So Tishka Cham is just, that's when you have the start and you're allowed to do it until Regal Menashuk, let's call it a half hour. That's when the mitzvah needs to be done. That's the first answer. Then the Gemara says, Va'alif Nun, and you know what that means, right? Ve'i Nami. have another answer to where the answer is. Lishiura, which means the sheer, the amount, says Rashi, sheyehei ba shemen, kashir azeh. 
It's got to have the amount of oil. So mitzvah just means the mitzvah of how much oil to put in is mishetishka hachamachetichah regel menashuk. It's a weird way to say how much oil, right? You could have said, uh, you could have said a revius, you could have said, right? It could have given us, but I, the rabbis, according to this answer, giving us a very vague description because it, I guess it depends. You have to put in as much oil as it takes from sunset, which we know, let's say what time it is. And I guess in every community, Tichoregel Menashuk might be different, right? In a small town, it may vary. It might be 25 minutes. Like in Manhattan, it's all night. In Manhattan, right? right. Yeah. So maybe you need more. So therefore, Regel Menashuk depends on who you are. Okay. So that's the amount of oil you have to put in. Wait. Okay. So doesn't that mean I should light it at that time? That's the amount of oil you have to put in. However, so why do I have to put that much oil in? If that's, this isn't just another way of saying 30 minutes. This is a way of saying, seemingly, to get it to light and burn this whole time. Yeah, but that's the amount of what we want. But if it does goes out, we don't care. And what's the logic? According to the first way of learning, there's not even a minimum amount of oil, right? You just, this is the time to do it. Goodbye. It's out. Everybody saw it when we were outside. The second answer, inami lishiure, is, is difficult to understand, right? If, if it means that you don't have to care, if it just get it lit, then it can become extinguished. Why was there this idea of putting in so much oil in the first place? Now, of course, there is a parallel, right? Sheila, can you think of a, a rationale why? If it could go out, why put that much oil in the beginning? So what would you say? Well, it has to have a, a possibility. Okay. So you're thinking now about what we know in the Talmud when the Talmud explains certain laws from the Torah, right? <laughs> Things don't have to burn that long, but it has to have the ability to burn that long. So it's sort of like we have the idea by a mincha, that the mincha has to be able to have bila, right? It has to be able to be mixed. The oil and the flour have to be able to mix, and the oil needs to be able to penetrate, so you can't use too large of a container. But you don't have to mix. But since the Torah talks about belula basheven, any container you use has to be of the size that mixing could take place there easily. Although you don't it's have to like- mix. Also, like when it comes to chatzitza and going to the mikvah, right. even if your mouth is closed, you still shouldn't have anything in it. Right. Even though you don't need to open your mouth. Right. Because the, the fact, because the Torah says you could have the water go in. So so you want to say what's happening here in Hanukkah as well, that to, to light near Hanukkah without the proper amount of oil, even though it doesn't have to burn that long, would somehow defeat the purpose. We want it to be able to light. The Inami wants it to last that long, but if it goes out, no, no, that's just the fickle finger of fate. And therefore, um, another, uh, something I remember from my youth, if you remember from Rowan and Martin's laughing, remember the fickle finger of fate. So that's the fickle finger of fate that, hey, lights, it went out. Aha. Uh-huh. Wish it didn't, but that doesn't affect your mitzvah. The same way as you say, uh, the woman going to the mikvah doesn't open her mouth. She could have, 
she can't have a chatzitza, but if she'd opened her mouth, the water would have gone through if it would have burnt. But to, to start with not enough oil would be a problem. So therefore, it would seem, according to uh, the second opinion, um, you should put that much oil in and you probably should be lighting at sunset as well, right? Um, right? So the words mitzvah, mishetishka, hachama um, probably also means to light during that time, even according to the inami. Right? The first opinion definitely, if you want to get it lit uh, then, then you can light it throughout this whole, let's say, 30-minute period. According to the inami, you probably should light it then and have enough oil. The oil goes out. All right. Too bad. But the mitzvah was done even without. At least it had the potential to burn. So you don't need to maximize that potential. You don't have to use the ultimate oils or wicks Mm -hmm. that you know are going to burn. At least it has the possibility and it's not uh, crazy. Um, And I guess putting it in the wind might be a problem. Right. right, putting in a place where it could, it, there's no way it could have lasted, would have been a problem. But at least this way, it could last. It doesn't always last. Maybe statistics tell you that the, 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 that the lights get extinguished thirty, forty percent of the time. But mm-hmm. that's good enough, and right. that would be according to the second opinion. Okay, tomorrow we'll take a look and see how. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.